Hey, good morning, Grove Central. Good to see you guys. You guys have a good day so far? Yeah, awesome. Welcome all those online also tuning in. Thanks for being with us. Uh, it is good to see new people every single week, new faces, people I haven't seen for a while. So thanks for being with us today. It's good to see you guys today. And uh, just a couple quick announcements before we jump into today's message. Uh, I know Sarah covered some of this stuff, but a couple things. So uh, they made an amendment to the health orders uh, this last week, uh, which means that houses of worship or churches uh, have full capacity. So we can go back to 100% capacity. So that's pretty exciting, right? <laughs> Woo! So... That means next week you don't have to reserve your spot. Just come. We'll have place, plenty of space in both of our services. And so all you guys watching online, if you want to join us, we now have full capacity. So if you want to come join us, be with us. Um, there was a little thing, that, a little ruling that happened a while back in the Supreme Court. Uh, I guess this little thing called the freedom of religion is really, really important, right? And so they said uh, we need to not um, do that to churches. And so we'll always be wise in how we how we operate how we do things so we're gonna we're gonna go crazy we're gonna continue on with uh, some of the other things that we do to sanitize and keep things going but we would love for you guys to yeah continue to be with us and every single week see more and more of you guys show up and the second one is the theater i got really excited when they said regal was opening up so i'm like guys we're going back and uh regal's not opened yet still so um we haven't heard back from them. they haven't given us a contract or anything like that to be able to move forward and so they're opening in the middle of may i thought it was supposed to be the beginning of may now it's the middle and so it looks like for us for the theater maybe sometime end may maybe june or maybe push it into the summer more we don't know yet so i got excited i was hoping to go back we eventually will hopefully and until then though we'll keep doing stuff here and uh, what we're starting to do is we've always had some kids ministry happening in the back room um next this next month we're going to kick off g kids again and get more opportunities for that so i'm excited about that because we need g kids to go again yeah so it's warm enough now that we can do some stuff outside, so we're going to prepare some space out there for them to be able to have some kids' ministry. And so parents, if you want to bring your kids this next uh, next month in May, we'd love to see them come and, and uh, be a part of your kids again, all right? And anybody on our team that wants to serve and help with that, we'd love for you guys to be a part of helping and be part of team serving. We'd love for you guys to step into that role and, and help uh, facilitate all that, all right? Awesome. All right, let's jump into week three of this series. Um, that, that intro song is kind of upbeat, right? Kind of like you're playing a video game or something. And uh, that's kind of the idea, right? We want to level up in life. So in our relationships and our finances and our health, every area of our life, we want healthy people to, to be around us and we want to become healthy people. And so what does that look like to go to the next level in different areas of our life? Well, we're, this series is about that, it's specifically mental health. We want to talk about mental health because that's really key to all the other aspects of, of our life. And so um, really we win and lose every single battle in our life, every single relationship, every single when it comes to finances, it comes to health, addictions. We win or we lose those battles in our mind because that's where it first takes place, right? And so this series is talking about that. What would it look like for us to win the battle in the mind uh, so we could be healthy in every other area of our life and so we win it up here right so it, whether we level up or level down it's always done first in the mind and so we're going to talk more about that so if you missed week one or two go back and watch catch up i'd encourage that and uh, what we said last week was what you feed grows and what you starve always dies off right and the same is true for our thoughts our thought life so uh, whatever thoughts that you think you feed they're going to get stronger in your mind and whatever thoughts that you you starve will eventually get weaker in your mind and it's, it's, it's important because are you, are you letting weeds in your mind grow and become, you know, choke out all the other things in your life? Or are you letting good thoughts flourish and, and, and grow in your life? And so that was a little about last week of how we need to make sure we, we allow the right things to grow inside of our mind. And this is why, because our life always moves in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So whatever your strongest thoughts are, your life is always going to go that direction. You go to work and all your, your, your thoughts are it's going to be horrible, it's going to be the worst day ever. Guess where your life is going to lean towards? You're going to look for all the negatives. You're going to look for all the, the, the things that are wrong. And it'll just, your life always goes in that direction. 
So whatever you think in your mind is really important because it eventually controls and, and, and leads our lives. And so let's win the battle in our mind, right? Um, so Romans 12, 2, Paul says it like this, which is great. He says, don't be so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. So essentially he's saying don't conform and just, just go along with the flow, right, to the pattern of this world, but essentially be transformed by the way you think, by the renewing of your mind. And so he says instead you need to fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. So every week we've been talking about this. What does this look like not to just go through life without thinking about it? And what does it look like to, to actually let God lead our lives, right? And he changes us from the inside out. He says uh, you readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. So this quickly is always key in a relationship with God. Because he'll ask us to do something, and the quicker you respond to what he's asking you, it's called um, obedience, right? So uh, immediate obedience is really important in our relationship with God because it will get us to the place he's wanting us to go and where we really want to go anyways. But he wants us to respond quickly. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level. So culture's not going to allow you to level up. It's always going to pull you down or keep you stuck. Really, it's immaturity. But God always brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. So God always wants you to become better, better version of yourself. He wants you to be better in all areas of your life. And so remember, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So in your life, your strongest thoughts will always control where you're going to go. So if they're good thoughts, that's actually a good thing. It's going to help be positive in, in good ways. But if it's a toxic or negative thought, that can lead us in the wrong direction and cause us to see the wrong things. So in our life, what's really amazing is science. I feel like science is finally catching up to the Bible, which is always really cool when you hear about research and how uh, they discover something about how we were made as humans. And then you realize that in the scripture, it's always talked about that, right? Throughout scripture, God's always trying to help us be healthy mentally, emotionally, relationally, every area of our life. And he gives us the keys. And then science goes and they put these probes and microbes and they send them people into these machines and they monitor their brains and they realize like wow we're made these specific ways for example when it comes to um our lives right i don't know if you've ever been in a situation uh where where you maybe like a maybe a near miss accident and your body kind of got this, this this shot of adrenaline in your body right like oh my gosh i'm gonna you know whatever or maybe maybe better example is you're walking on a trail right you're hiking and you come across a mountain lion right and it's like you pause and your eyes meet and you're like Right? It's like that moment. Well, something happens in your brain. It's called the amygdala, right? It's the back part of your brain, little little almond-shaped little part of our brain that, that really is it's, – it's, it's what triggers panic or triggers fear. It's, it's the, what, what causes us either to fight or to flight, to run away. So you're either going to fight or you're going to run away when, when the amygdala is kicked in. And what it does is it shoots adrenaline into your, into your body to be able to react quickly, right? So if you're on a, on a trail and you meet a mountain lion, your body's going to say, do I fight or do I run away, right? And depending on how – big that mountain lion is and how close they are, you'll choose one of two things, right? Either you're going to fight or you're going to fight. Well, here's the thing about the amygdala, right? So whether it's a, um, a mountain lion or maybe a text, a mean text somebody sends to you, your brain can't differentiate what really what real danger is. It doesn't know like because what you tend to take in sometimes can be the emotions and the things that you perceive. It could be the same kind of adrenaline and the same kind of fight or flight response no matter what you face that's, that, that seems like some kind of danger. So it could be somebody getting mad at you. It could be a disgruntled customer. It could be your boss or an angry spouse. It could be a text message. Those things trigger something in our brain, and the amygdala, which is really like the concern part of our brain that wants us to survive, it shoots adrenaline, and we get really panicked, and we get fear, right? So what's really interesting is that when God made the brain, he gave us some balance in our lives because if that was the only thing that we listened to, and sometimes some people only listen to that part of their brain, we would always be afraid and always be fearful of everything. But God gave this other part of our brain that's called the, the frontal lobe, the prefrontal cortex, 
that actually balances that. This is like the, um, the, the logical part of our brain that, that, that keeps the amygdala in check, right? It's, it's the one that balances and helps us to reason and to think through things. So uh, when our amygdala kicks in, our prefrontal cortex, if it's healthy and if we, we have healthy thought lives, we can actually balance that and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. it's just a text message. We don't know where this is going to go. Don't get ahead of the story, right? Don't freak out. Just calm down. And that's the prefrontal cortex that kind of causes cause us to reason to begin to say, okay, slow the things down. Just because the back of your brain is saying, run, run, danger, danger, you know, you just say, well, slow down a little bit. And so God gave us these two parts to balance it. What's interesting is now neuroscientists can go and monitor our brains during different activities when people are feeling different things, putting different scenarios, and they begin to see how those two parts of the brain and other parts also uh, interact and react to certain uh, activities and certain things that take place. For example, prayer. Uh, they went and they studied when it comes to spirituality and prayer and, and songs and worship, praise. Our brain reacts to those things, which is really interesting. So we're going to talk about that today, right? What does it look like um, to be able to uh, know how uh, to follow what God is asking us when it comes to the different things we encounter in life? So whether it's an angry person on the road or whether it's something else that's, that's frightening us, that we can learn to say, how can I balance this? And depending on what part of your brain is stronger and depending on who you listen to, your life will either be always in the mode fear and running away or fighting or it'll be in a place where you can say i don't really understand all this but i'm going to trust god for the outcome so jesus tells us let's look at what jesus says about uh, when it comes to life in different situations so matthew 6 this is the his first sermon it's called the sermon on the mount this is the middle of it and he says this he says don't worry about these things so he's teaching doing a teaching on um god providing for us and taking care of us right so he says don't worry about these things what you'll eat what you'll drink what you'll wear right he says those things just don't worry about these. These things, and notice what he says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So, so he's saying, when it comes to our thought life, notice what he says, um, people that don't trust God, the people that don't believe in God, don't believe that, that he has good plans for life, they're going to be dominated by what to wear, what to eat, what to drink, right? All those things, they're going to always be consumed with it because everything in their life is all about me, 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 really is what it comes down to. And those dominate the thoughts of those who don't trust God or unbelievers. But he says for us that believe in our Christ followers, we, we need to learn not to worry but to trust God in all things because your heavenly Father already knows all that you need. And notice here, it's not, it's, it's not all your wants, it's what you need, right? So we'll talk about that in a second. But really quick side note, right? So dominate, this, this word is really interesting. In Genesis... God tells Adam and Eve that they are free. They're free people to choose what they want for their life, right? To, to eat whatever fruit, to live they want. And he says, just don't do the one. We talked about that the week one. So this word dominate, he actually makes this phrase. He says, Adam, he creates Adam, and he gives them dominion over all the earth. So he says, you can go and you can uh, grow things. You can, you, you know, name the animals, subdue the earth, subdue the animals. And he gives us a list of all these things that Adam is supposed to dominate as, as a man. And he gives them authority over the earth. The one thing that's not on the list is other men or other women. So the one thing we can't dominate is other people. That's, the, that's off limits for us, okay? But other things, God also says he wants you to control the way you work, the way you think that you do, put, put your effort into it, work hard. Well, this word dominate really is where we get our word freedom from. So when God says to Adam, you are free of dominion over the earth, he's saying you have the freedom or the ability to, do, to dominate the things in your life. Like you're, you're in control of those things. You shouldn't be dominated by them. You should dominate them. So when he says, Jesus says, these things dominate the thoughts of the thoughts of unbelievers, what he's saying is they are actually slaves to the thoughts they think. Like those worries, those concerns that, that consume people's lives actually limit us from being free people. We're actually slaves and we're dominated by those thoughts. 
And what Jesus is saying, don't become people who are dominated by your thoughts, but be free by making sure you think the right things and, and processing the right way. So he goes on and says this, if you'll seek God above everything else, right, if you'll seek the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously, and, and he will, then he'll give you everything you need. What's interesting, he doesn't say everything you want, but everything you need. God knows what we need, when we need it. And when, in a trusting relationship, we just know he'll provide because he, as we seek him and his ways, he'll take care of our needs. And then he finishes by saying, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So notice Jesus isn't saying just live carelessly, just go on, but you know, don't, don't live like you don't care about anything. He's not saying that. What he's saying is don't let tomorrow's worries, all the things that dominate our thoughts about the future, right? What's going to happen? What if, what if, what if? He says those things, if you drag them into today, they'll keep you from doing the things you need to do today. So instead, let those stay there and work on what you can do today because today is the only day you have, choices you have. So learn to take steps. So one of the things we do at The Grove is we're always trying to give steps. Every single week, right, we're saying here's an idea, here's a thought, here's something you should practice this week. And it's sometimes just one step. Just take one step. Do something new in following Christ. What's amazing about taking one step is it doesn't seem like a whole lot, right? You take one, it's like, well, I didn't really make that much progress. But after 52 weeks or after 365 days of taking steps, you'll look back and you'll realize, like, wow, I've made some progress in my life. Like, I'm further ahead than I, than I was at the beginning of the year. I'm further ahead, further ahead now than I was last month if you keep taking those steps. Well, one guy told me, well, I, I, I get it, but he says, well, sometimes it feels like I'm taking two steps forward and like one step back, right? Like it just doesn't seem, I don't, at least you're making progress. You might not be perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to falter in different areas, but just keep moving forward. Keep taking those steps. Don't be afraid to take those steps. So today, right, what are the steps that we can take today? What are the things that you can focus on today? No, you can't control the debt right now. No, you can't control the outcomes of what might happen, but what can you do today to impact those, to influence those decisions, influence the outcomes? There's always something you can do today. And too many people they only focus on the, the later, and they don't ever realize that today, actually, if they make choices, they, those things would be taken care of themselves, and even God would help those outcomes to, to happen. So Jesus is saying, don't worry, right? Don't worry, be happy. I'm sure that's where they got the song from. I'm pretty sure. And so don't worry, right? Just learn to trust God in every area of your life. So Paul echoes a very similar uh, sentiment or statement uh, about this in our lives. He says this in Philippians 4, which Philippians 4 is a letter that's written to the church in Philippi. And he writes it from a prison in Rome, okay? So Paul writes this in prison, and he has all these really awesome things to say from a prison cell um, to this church to encourage them, all right? And he says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So Paul is saying in life, when you're faced with different issues, different things, don't, be, don't let the anxieties of those, of those issues Get you so overwhelmed that you are unhealthy, that you have toxic thoughts, right? But in every situation, learn by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving to present your request to God. And he says when you do this, notice what happens. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which surpasses our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when we follow God, we trust God, he actually began to guard our minds and our hearts with peace, with understand, even when we don't understand it, when we go through something difficult, he's saying just, just trust. Let God lead you. Give it to him, and he'll begin to give you the peace of mind and peace of heart that will help you make wiser choices, right? So essentially he's saying don't let the amygdala 
hijack. In fact, science, scientists call that. They call it the uh, amygdala hijack, where the back of our brain, right, causes us to be fearful and panic all the time, always afraid of things. It takes over our, our rational thinking, and we're always in this mode of fighting or, fly, or, or running away. And say, no, no, calm down, right? So he's, he's telling us this. What's interesting is what Paul is telling us here is when we actually take it to God, so science now tells us that specific things happen when we pray, when we worship, when we sing songs. There's something that actually happens in our brain. Let me show you. Dr. Karen Leaf, who we talked about last week, she has a statement. She says this. She said, it, is, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. So she says they, they did research, and they, they hooked up these people to these brain scans. And individuals who had at least 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over eight-week period of time, there was an actual change in their brain. So when, when, G, when Paul is telling us in Romans that we shouldn't conform the patterns, but renewed by the, uh, but, but our, our mind should be renewed, right, through God and through his word, this is what he's talking about. That when we actually focus the thing God wants us to focus on, our brains are actually changed for the better. They help us. And she goes on and says, here's what happens, right? This type of prayer, it increases activity in the brain areas associated with social interaction, compassion, and sensitivity to others. What does that mean? That means that people who pray are nicer people to other people. Like they care about others. There's sensitivity to what others are going through. There's some compassion. We're, we're better at social interactions with others. So she said when people that pray like this, they actually it strengthens that part of the brain like a, like a workout, like an exercise where we become better people. How many of you guys know we need better people in our world, right? People interact a little nicer who care about others. Well, she's saying prayer does that. It helps us. Um, it also increases the frontal lobe activity as focus and intentionality increase. So when you pray, it makes the front part of your brain, right, be stronger so you can actually have reasoning and wisdom in your, in your, in your thoughts. Isn't that amazing when Paul and Jesus are saying, don't worry about things, but trust God in those things? What they're saying is, allow him to strengthen the part of your brain that's going to make you, help you make better decisions. Not always controlled by your amygdala, but that, that, that front, front low, the front part of it, will begin to help you have peace and be able to help you to understand that God's going to lead you on, on, on this journey of just trusting him. That you'll put your trust in him. And he invites us in this. And this is what science tells us what happens when we pray. When we learn what Paul's saying, we trust God with these things. So one of the books that I've been reading for this series is called uh, Winning the War of the Mind by uh, um, uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle. And great book. So Craig Rochelle got COVID in the summer last year, and he had a quarantine for four days. So he was quarantined in his office away from his family, away from a lot of people while he, while he processed it. And while he was in his office, you know, he did exercises and wrote stuff. He wrote a book for those 14 days. It was pretty cool. So he wrote this book called Winning the War of the Mind. Great book. I always like to recommend resources. This is a good one, right? So um, you're going to go pick it up, or if you like to listen, audio, Audible has it, things like that. So great book. The reason I'm bringing this up is because in the book, he, he, he gives these different um, challenges or exercises to do to, to help overcome the battle in your mind. And one of these exercises, he calls it the God box. So I brought a little box to illustrate this. He calls it the God box, right? And so he says it could be any box. You could just find a box in your house. It could be an old Amazon box. It could be a shoe box, whatever. He just, he just he says get a box and write God on it. It becomes the God box. Now here's the thing. Some of you guys are thinking like, well, God can't fit in that box. Yeah, this is not to fit God in the box because God is not – there's not a box big enough to put God in, right? He's bigger. This is actually a box that we'll put some of our stuff in and let God take care of it. I'll explain that, right? So people like to put God in a box and try to figure him out, but that never works out because God is so much bigger than any of our ideas. But this is, this is a little different. So a God box is this, right? If you ever have a worry or a burden or a temptation or maybe some kind of crazy runaway thought, what you need to do is you write it down. So I got a piece of paper in here. 
So this would be my, my concerns or my requests, right? And so here I, get, I write it down. I would say, all right, here's my thing that I'm concerned with. Here's my, dad, would you help me? This is one of the needs that we have as a family. Here's some financial things or here's some health things or here's some relational things or here's some mental things or temptations or whatever. God, would you help me with these? And essentially, you would write down your concern, your worry, your prayer request, right, on a piece of paper. And you'd put that piece of paper in the God box. And essentially, you'd pray saying, God, I'm trusting you with this, right? I'm, I'm trusting you with this issue in my life. I'm trusting you with this concern. I know you're in control. I know you're bigger than this. I, I, um, I, I don't want to think this thought, right? So I'm giving this to you. It's kind of what Paul says, take captive of your thoughts, right, and make obedient to Christ. That's kind of what this is doing. You're, you're taking these and you're saying, God, I'm giving it to you. And they put it in there. After you pray it, and you say, God, I, I trust you with it. And then what's great is you can put it in his hands and allow him to work on those things that you're asking. Now, here's, here's the thing. If you decide to ever worry about or, or, or be concerned with those things, what you have to do is you're going to have to go back to the box. You're going to have to take out that prayer. And essentially, you're going to have to say this, God, I don't trust you with this. So I'm going to take it back from you. I'm going to take care of this myself. Most of you would be like, what? I would never say that to God, right? I would never say I don't trust him with it. I, I'm, but that's exactly what we do every time. We have a worry. We have a thought that we're not, we can't trust God with. It's kind of like saying, you're really not big enough for my, my worries. You're not really big enough for my concerns. And we take it away from him. We put it in our own hands. Because that's what worry is. It's us praying to ourselves, trying to solve something a lot of times we can't solve. Or we couldn't do anything about for a good while a lot of times. So rather than us worrying about it, we're saying, God, you said don't worry. You said not to be anxious about anything, but in all things through prayer, through petition, through thanksgiving, I'm going to give this to you. So I'm going to place this in your hands, and I'm going to trust you with it, right? And you let God, you let God worry about it. You let God take care of it. It's, 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 it's us trusting God with the things that we can't control. So Paul says in Philippians 4, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So through prayer. What is prayer? It's a conversation. It's talking to God. So people think like, well, I don't really know how to pray. Well, when you have a conversation with somebody, you just talk. You, you share your thoughts. You share your ideas. That's what prayer is. It's just you saying, all right, God, I have these needs. This is what I'm going through, right? It's just a natural thing that we just talk to God. Petition is saying, here's one of those things I want to give to you, right, that I, I need your help with. And then with thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving is it's, it's a component of us saying, God, there's gratitude in my heart for what you've done in the past so that when I trust you with this, I know you're also going to do take care of these things the same way you took care of those things. I'm going to trust you with my life. And then when you do this, he says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I don't know if you've ever met somebody that, that went through something really difficult like cancer or um, um, a job loss or, or sickness or something, something really difficult, and they had peace through it. It's like, I don't understand that. Some of the people are like, I don't really understand how people could have it. It's because they've given it to God, and they're just trusting the process to him, no matter what outcome. And he guards our hearts and our minds when we do this, and he invites us to do this in our lives. Really what Paul is saying and what Jesus is saying is this, this requires trust. It requires us to trust God with the things that we can't control. It's us saying, God, I put these things in your hands. The writer of Proverbs says this. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, because our understanding doesn't always work out the way we think it is. But in all your ways, acknowledge him or submit to him, and he will make your path straight. He will direct your path. He will help lead you on this life. If you want God to lead your life, he says you have to trust God with all your heart. And not just lean on your understanding, but, but acknowledge him, submit to him. And then when you do that, it's kind of like saying, God, I, I don't know exactly what to do in this, but I'm submitting to you. I'm trusting you. I'm giving it to you. You lead me on this journey. And... God then leads us on this journey where we can follow his lead. 
So here's the question. You know, it's, it's easy for somebody to say, like Paul, he says, rejoice in the Lord always, right? When you're going through something difficult, trust God through the difficulties. It's easy for somebody to say that. It's another thing to see somebody walk it out. So when Paul writes, don't be anxious about anything, but rejoice in God all the time, you know, his happy letter in prison, what gives Paul the credibility and the moral authority to be able to say that with such, such, such authority? Well, because he actually lived it out. Let me, let me show you. So Paul is in prison in Rome writing a, a letter to the church in Philippi to encourage them from prison to trust God. Well, there was another time where he was in prison, and it, he proved or showed what he did while he was in those situations when he couldn't control things. So let's pick up the story in Acts 16, all right? So Acts 16, um, Paul and his, his companion named Silas, um, they're going from town to town preaching the gospel, helping people know Christ, right, starting churches. They go to one city. And uh, while they're there, they meet this girl who is uh, possessed by a demon. She has a spirit that allows her to be like a psychic. So she can kind of tell some of the future, things like that. Well, she, she's a servant, so she has a master who owns her. And when they meet this girl that's filled with this, this, this spirit, Paul and Silas meet her and they pray with her and they free her from this spirit. Well, that makes the owner really mad because now this girl that was making a lot of money for this guy no longer is going to be able to make money, so he's really upset. So he gets this – he incites a, a mob, right? He gets this, these people riled up saying, these guys, they're preaching a different gospel. They don't believe what we believe. Let's kill them, right? So he gets this mob going crazy. And it says that a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas for doing good, and the city officials ordered them stripped and, and beaten with wooden rods, and they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. So Paul and Silas, they're going through this process of doing good, and in the middle of doing good, they actually get punished for doing good. So I don't know about you, but if you ever got punished for doing, you know, getting punished for doing bad, that's one thing. But getting punished for doing something good, that's another thing. If you can imagine their mindset in the moment, it could have been a lot of different things, right? Like, God, where were you? Like, we freed this girl, and she's free now, and now we're in prisons in prison. What, what in the world's going on? Like, do you really care? Do you really love us? There could be a lot of different ways they could have gone with this. But what's interesting is, is, is when they were beaten during the prison, you can imagine maybe, I don't know, broken bones, maybe a broken nose. Bruises everywhere. They were beat up, right, with, with wooden rods. So they were hurt. They were, they were sore, and they're locked in. It says that after this, the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So most likely that means they were chained to other, Roman, other guards, right? So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon, not just – then they want to make sure they're really going to be take, not going to escape. So they put them far down deep inside of that prison and clamped their feet in the stocks and then, then chains them. So they're in prison, probably hurting, bruised. I'm sure there's a voice, maybe the enemy whispering, saying, man, if God really loved you, this would not be happening. How could God allow something like this happen in your life? He must not be a good God. And in the middle of their prison, it says this. The next word says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining and upset. No, it says Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. So Paul and Silas' mindset was, we're doing something for God. We're in prison. We can, we can sulk. We can be upset. We can be mad. Or we can choose to focus on something that's bigger than the moment we're in. So what did they do? They prayed. They sang. And it says other prisoners began to listen. You can only imagine the prisoners, right? They were probably in there for a good reason. And these guys weren't. And instead of being upset, they're saying, God, you're still good. And they began to sing their songs. And they began to worship and praise God. They begin to take those things to God and trust him with it. This is one of the reasons if you ever come to church and you're like, why do we sing songs? Is it, is it that important? Yes, it's so important. Because what happens on a Sunday morning is the first, week of the first day of the week. And what we say through our songs is, God, you're God and I'm not. 
God, I've, I've probably uh, carried some stuff to the week with me, and I have these different things I've attached to, different emotions. And right now, for the next few moments, I'm going to put those to the side, and I'm just going to worship. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to let you begin to, to prepare my heart so you can speak to me. That's what, that's what worship and praise and this music is for. It's us to say, we, we, want, your, we want, want to acknowledge that you're here, that you're leading us. And it says they begin to pray and they begin to sing. So notice, they were focused on the who, not the what. They were going through something really bad. And there's probably not a lot of things they could have in that prison been like, wow, this is really great. These chains, yeah, they're, they're not that bad. They're not that tight, right? There's probably not a lot of things they could have focused on that weren't bad. But instead, notice they focused on the who, not the what. They focused on God, and they said, God, we, we know you're a good God. Despite the chains we're in, you're faithful. We've seen your hand at work freeing people. Especially that girl that was just free from that demon. God, that is so awesome. She's no longer bound by a demon, no longer a slave to that and to others. She could be free, and she could know your purpose in your life. So they were focused on the, on the who, not the what. See, here's the thing. When we focus on the what, the what becomes bigger than the who, right? So if your God is small, then all your problems are going to always feel big. So in your mind, the way you think about God is really important. If you think God is a weak God, a, di- a, a God that doesn't care, well, when you take your request to him, you're going to think like it doesn't really matter. Nothing's really going to happen. And God's going to be small in your mind, is small in your perspective. That means everything else can feel really big. But if your God is really big and powerful and massive, then all of your problems will never compare. They never match up to who God's greatness is. And for Paul and Silas, they knew the greatness of God. They saw the miracles. They knew what he had done in the past. They knew he could do big things again. And because of that, they focused on the who, not the what. So in your life, is God big or is God small? Because that thought alone will determine how you'll approach every issue in life. If he's a big God, those issues are really, really small. It's like David looking at the giant Goliath and saying, you're going down because my God's bigger than any giant. And he didn't see the giant as a giant. He saw the giant as a way, something in front of what God had for his life. In your life, you have to begin to say, God, I trust you. I want to, I want to learn to trust you in all things and see that you really are a big God. You're powerful, more powerful than anything I'll ever face. So they begin to focus on the who, not the what. And then the second thing is this. They were praising God before the provision. They didn't wait for God to show up. Right? They, they, they began to praise God before anything else came. They didn't hold off. They didn't hold off to be thankful when to, until God provided, they just said, "God, you're faithful. You're good." The opposite is like a spoiled kid. Like I'm, I'm not going to be happy or thankful until you you give me what I want. Until I get my way, right? It's a spoiled kid, and a lot of times we treat God like that. We're like, God, I'm not going to really do anything until you show up and give me what I want. And God's saying, "Wait, wait, that's not how this works." You know, you have to trust me in all things. So they begin to praise Him before they saw anything. And the third thing is this: they were praising God, and then He showed up. We get this backwards. Let me show you what I mean. All right? So uh, don't hold off till God provides. You tr- trust him. And then don't praise. Don't wait for him to show up to praise. Start praising before he shows up. So the next verse says, Suddenly there was a massive earthquake. This is in Acts 16. And the prison was shaken to its foundation. So the whole prison sh- shook. All the doors immediately fell open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. Supernatural miracle that God that happens, right? Earthquake happens, and every single chain falls off. Not just Paul and Silas, but every single prisoner in there. So you can imagine the scene, right? These guys are sitting there, and they're kind of looking. They're listening. They hear Paul and Silas. Maybe hear the story about these guys who are teaching about this man named Jesus and how he's, he 
supposedly died on the cross and came back to life three days later. You know, they're probably thinking, like, that sounds like kind of crazy. I don't know if I can believe this. But then they hear that these guys came to town, and they remember this girl that they would go pay to teach them, to tell them that their, fu- their fortunes and their future, that she's no longer bound by that demon, but she's free. That's kind of interesting. You can imagine all these, these conversations that are going on, and then they're thinking, like, these guys got beaten by wads, almost, maybe leaving them almost half dead, and they're in prison now, and they're not complaining. They're singing. They're praying. Like, who are these guys? And then all of a sudden, God shows up, and their chains fall off. Like, whoa. Like, I think that person they're talking to really is really big and really powerful. And I can only imagine in the minds of the prisoners, they're thinking, wow, I want to know more about that God. I want to know more about what they have to say because God showed up. But notice, they didn't praise God because he showed up. God showed up because they praised him. It's in your life, you might be praying for things like, God, when are you going to show up? God, when are you going to do these things? When are you going to... And, and we're waiting for him to show up so then we can say, thank you for doing those things. It's the opposite. Paul and Silas says, no, we're going to praise God and thank him for who he is. We're going to trust him that no matter what takes place, we're not dead yet. So there must be purpose to our life. We're going to continue to seek him. And when they do that, all of a sudden, then God shows up. So Psalms 22, there's a, a passage in scripture. It's known as the, one of the messianic psalms. So when Jesus is on the cross, he makes this statement. It's when he's feeling the weight of the sin, feeling the weight of the world, all, the, all what he's carrying on that cross for us. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Essentially, he's saying, I'm, I'm alone here. Why are you leaving me alone to, to suffer these things? But what's interesting about this psalm is it starts off as a negative saying, God, you, you're, you're not even here. Like, I'm seeking you. I'm crying out for you, but you don't even care. But then the next verse says this. You are yet, even though I'm going through something hard, yet you are holy, enthroned on, your, on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you, and, you and, they were, and, and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. So one other translation says that, um, that God is enthroned on the praises of Israel. He says, it says he inhabits the praises of his people. So essentially what, what, what he's saying, the psalmist is saying is when you praise God, that, that very praise, those words that you're speaking, become the throne that God sits on. So he inhabits those praises of his people. So when we sing songs on Sunday morning, it's so important because we come together. We're acknowledging that God is God. He comes in and he shows up. In the New Testament, Paul says that whenever one or two are gathered in his name, he's there in the middle of us. So I don't know about you, but there's more than one or two in this room. And we came to see God. So what does that mean? God is in the middle of the service. He's in the middle of it. There's strength in that. There's, there's confidence in that. And not just that, when we sing praise, when we sing songs, it's like he says, well, I can, I can live there. I'm going to go and stay in the middle of those praises of my people. And what he's saying is, when you're going through difficult and it's hard, my God, why are you forsaking me? He's saying, yeah, you are still holy, and you're going to come and show up in the praises of the people. And when we trust God, just like our ancestors trusted him, he'll be faithful. He'll show up over and over and over. He's consistent in that way. So what Paul is telling us, what Jesus is telling us, what the Psalms are telling us, is we can trust God. And when we trust him, when we praise him, something changes in our brain, something changes in our body, something changes in, in, in every part of us. We begin to say, God, you are faithful. I'm no longer going to let my amygdala control and be fearful of everything. God, I'm going to begin to allow you to strengthen that front part of my brain that's going to help me to reason, have wisdom in what things I face. I'm going to trust you. And even when I don't know how to balance those two, God, I'm going to put it in your hands, and I'm going to trust you. So here's my challenge for today. Would you get a box? When you go home, get a box. Make your own God box, right? And begin to put all of your, your needs, your concerns, your requests, and just put it in there. Say, God, I'm going to trust you with this. God, I'm going to trust you with this. And here's the thing. 
in any relationship you have, trust always takes time. Like think of your, imagine your best friend. Why are you best friends? Because you went through things together. You, 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 had, you went through challenges together. You're able to open up and be honest about these the vulnerabilities and these insecurities. And you realize that they could be trusted with your inner part of you. And you become this, it, it, it forms a bond between you, right? The same is true about God. It takes time to be able to trust him. And what he's saying is, if you'll begin to trust me, I'll show you that I'm trustworthy. I have been in the past. I'll continue to be in the future. Just trust me with it. A couple of years ago, um, Sincerity, my wife, she was reading a book called uh, Put an X Through Anxiety by Louis Giglio. Great book if you struggle with anxiety. And she had these, these things that she was just kind of worrying about, kind of heavy on her. And, and so she began to read this book. And in this book, he kind of talked. He said, imagine as you're laying in bed, because that's a lot of times when our, our minds go crazy, right? We're just laying there. We can't sleep. He says, when you're laying there, just imagine like God at the foot of your bed. He's just kind of sitting there. And as you pray, as you talk to him, he's just, he's there. And it's kind of like this moment where, um, where in the book, or she was, she was reading through, it says, would you just give God your concerns, your worries, those things that make you anxious? Essentially, it's like God sitting there saying, hey, I'm going to be awake anyways, so why don't you let me worry about these things while you sleep? And in her mind, it says something happened where she realized, like, I can't do anything with any of these things anyways, so she's going to pray and just give it to God. Essentially, it was, she didn't have this, but there was this concept. It was a God box. She essentially said, God, here's those anxious thoughts. Here's those things that are worrying me. I'm going to just give it to you because you're going to be up anyways. I'm going to trust you in those things. And here's what's great about God. When you give him those things, over time, he's going to answer those prayers. He's going to lead you on this journey, not give you what you want, but he will give you what you need. And what you need is always more important than what you want because he'll get you to a place where you become the person he wants you to become. What's great about those is someday you're going to go back into that box and you're going to look at it and you're going to think, wow, I remember that prayer. Man, that kept me up a lot of nights when I finally gave it to God and trusted him. And I look back, he took care of that. What was interesting is um, a few years ago, we had to make a decision to leave uh, our first house we owned in Rio Rancho uh, to pursue what God was calling us to. And there's a part of us that didn't want to. It was, it was, we, we did a lot of work to the house. It became the first, you know, one of those first things. You just love it. And uh, we had to make a decision to leave that and rent it out and eventually sell it and, and to come to Santa Fe. And, um, and while we're here, it's been a long process trying to find a house and all that things. And so recently we were able to get a house here in Santa Fe. And uh, the other night we were, we were sitting talking about the house, and, and my wife says, you know what's interesting is there's a, in our new house, there's a lot of things that remind me about our Rio Rancho house. And I thought, that is so cool, because there was a part of us that thought, we're leaving something we love, and we don't know if we'll ever get it back. And we're sitting there, she says, there's a lot of things in this house that remind me of that. But I thought, yeah, but this is so much better than that one was. And it's a better version, and it's, there's some cool memories, but this is like the new thing, and it's just, it's different. And it's almost like I pulled out that little paper saying, God, you're asking me to give up something really hard, but I'm going to trust you with it. And years later, I can go back to that box and I can say, wow, that thing we gave away, gave up, you actually returned to us something better. And you're so faithful and you're so good. And for those years that we were looking and looking, trying to find a house and that whole process, it's kind of frustrating. It's kind of like, are you, is it ever going to work out? Are we never going to be able to do this? And we realize God's timing is always so good. And he knows what we need more than just what we want. And if we would have cut the process and just jumped in and do something we want on our own, it would have been good. But because we trusted him, he leads us in that. So when you get your God box, what's great about this is over time, you're going to be able to look back and think about all the things he answered, all the prayers that he answered you. You'll be able to say God was faithful. So if he took care of my kids back then, I'm pretty sure he can take care of my kids tomorrow. I think he can take care of them right now. God, I'm going to trust you with it. 
And here's the thing about the prayers, right? So you don't, it's not like you just write it once, put it away, and leave it forever. That's not prayer. In fact, Jesus says if you ever have a need, one of these needs, it's not that you take it out and you own it. You actually can take it out and remind God, like, God, I've been praying for this. And I, I know you're going to do this. I'm going to give this to you again, and I'm still trusting you with this. But would you please remember? So Jesus tells a story about a um, – he compares prayer to a man who has a visitor come to his house, and he needs some bread. He doesn't have bread, so he goes to his neighbor's house, but it's already late. And the neighbor's like, I'm in bed. I don't want to get up to give you bread. And he says, just he keeps knocking and knocking until the guy gets out of bed to give him some bread. He said, that's how we should treat prayer, that we don't stop knocking. We don't stop going to God until we get an answer. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. And then sometimes the answer is yes. We just trust God there. But it's saying, God, I'm not going to just give up on this. I'm going to still know, remind you that I'm trusting you for these specific things. But the idea is saying, God, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm not going to allow it to keep me up at night. I'm not going to allow it to dictate my relationships or impact the way that I treat others. But I'm going to allow you to take this so that I can have peace. I can have confidence in who you are. Just remember, it's built one day at a time. One day at a time. So what is God asking you to do on a daily basis? That's through your Bible. It's through studies. It's through conversations, relationships, and through small groups. Whatever it is, you just take that step. God, I'm going to take that step. So this week, here's a step that would be really good for you. Get a box. Write some papers down, some prayer needs and things that are holding you up. Say, God, I'm going to put it in here. I'm going to believe you for it. And I'm going to trust your outcome is going to be better than my outcome because you know where I need to be. You know what I need the most. So I'm not going to let those things dominate my mind so that I'm captive to it, but I'm going to trust you with it. Would you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give an opportunity for those that want to pray with me in a second. God, we're so grateful for uh, just all the stories throughout Scripture, Father, that teach us just uh, how you wired us to, to live in a healthy way, mentally, emotionally, relationally. God, today as we talk about um, trusting you, God, as we talk about the God box, we talk about our prayers, our concerns, God, I pray that we would not become people who are dominated by those negative thoughts, toxic thoughts, or even dominated by maybe even the lies the enemy would speak to us, God, but we would trust you. So today we put our trust in you, Father God. All the needs that are represented in this room, there's sickness, God, if there's loneliness, if there's hurting, if there's uh, needs for finances, maybe reconciliation, God, I pray that you would begin to answer those prayers. God, help us to learn how to, one, pray the right prayers so that we can see the right results, God, but also to trust you in the process that however long it takes, we'll trust you for the right outcomes. So today I pray for those in this room, praying for those who are watching, God, that you let healing begin to flow, you let provisions begin to go to them. That, God, as we begin to praise, Father God, you would be glorified, you'd be lifted up. We're so thankful for all that you do in our lives. You're so good to us. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Do me a favor. Would you keep your eyes um, closed, your heads bowed? If you're in this room or you're watching online and, you know, I talk about trusting God, maybe you're at a place where you say, I, I don't trust God. Like, I'm, I'm the Lord of my life. I'm controlling my life, and I haven't allowed him to lead. See, being a Jesus follower says, I trust you for a better outcome than I could do on my own. Maybe you're here today and you want to say, God, I want to follow your lead. I may go in my direction, but I want to go your direction. I want to put, begin to put my trust in you and follow the path that you're leading me on. If that's you and you're in this room and you're online, you're watching, you want to pray this prayer, I'm not going to call you up to the front, but just right there in your seat, lead you in a prayer. It just says, God, I invite you into my life. Would you let me know you're here by just lifting your hand? Say, that's me. Awesome. Your hands. I don't want to trust you. Awesome. Quite a few hands have gone up. Anybody else? It's me today. 
If you're watching online, you want to pray this with us. Those that raise your hand, would you pray this prayer? And if you're in the room, you're a Jesus follower, would you pray with us? Those that raise your hand aren't praying alone, just say this today. Say, Father God, today I put my trust in you. I choose to follow your lead. Thank you for sending Jesus to give us an example of how to live. Thank you for letting him die on that cross in my place. Today, I choose to follow you. Guide my paths. Direct me. Lead me. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he rose from the grave. He's alive today. And that same power that lived in him can now live in me. Come and lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those that prayed the prayer. So good.